It is 10.45, folks, and it is, uh, it is time for us to uh, begin our online worship event, uh, our worship celebration. I uh, want to welcome you to, uh, to our uh, worship celebration and, uh, uh, on uh, May 17th, 2020. Uh, well, thank you for taking the time to watch. Uh, you may not be watching uh, while this is live. You may be watching a recording. You may be, uh, who knows where you could be. Uh, you could be anywhere in the world uh, watching this. But I just want to thank you for taking the time to uh, to be here. Uh, I encourage you. I want to encourage you, if you if you can, if you want to, to uh, start a uh, watch party with your friends. Uh, you may not. You may want to wait and see what I say, and then do it later today or sometime this week. Uh, I, that's fine. We, we are in this together. Uh, we may not uh, be together physically, but we are still together uh, in uh, the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, and uh, thankfully through technology, we have those things. Uh, if if you have questions, uh, you can uh, click the send message button at the top of the church Facebook page, and we will get back to you as soon as we possibly can. Um, there are other uh, links listed in the description of uh, this event, and uh, you can take advantage of those if you are, are, are new. Uh, you can join the uh, Champions of Hope group on on this page, on our church page, uh, just click on the link to do that. You want to follow along the sermon, the link, there's a link to click on the description there. Uh, you can do that as well. Uh, it, why are we calling our group Champions of Hope? Well, it's because we believe we are champions of hope on a mission with the Holy Spirit. We're convinced that since Jesus took the worst this broken world could possibly dish out, and he overcame it all, that he can help you, whatever you, wherever you are, whatever you might be facing, to make it through any day, any day that you might face. And that's what we're all about, infusing people with hope, particularly single-parent families. But in, we want to share the hope of Jesus with anyone and everyone we possibly can. Um, if you'd like to give to the church, uh, give to Jesus through the church, uh, you'll find the information need in the description. As I mentioned earlier, it's one of the links there. You can go to Tithely, or you can mail it to the address that's provided there, if that's what you want to do. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, listen to our prayers. Bow, bow down to hear us lean in close. Let our request and our prayers soar upward to your throne. Come, Jesus, King of glory, to protect us now. Lord of life and mercy, come with the Holy Spirit, with power and purity to surround us with your grace, your favor, your mercy, your love in this hour, in this time that we're together. Amen.
So um, if you have your Bibles or if you've clicked on the version uh, uh, link there for the event, you can follow along with me. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 6, um, verses 5 through 13. It's a... It's a story that if you've been to Bible school or Sunday school, uh, you've probably heard. Uh, it's a very familiar story. Preachers and teachers like this story. So I want to share it this morning. Uh, Jesus, uh, John chapter 6, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. He and his disciples had tried to sneak away to be alone. Uh, turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? John tells us Jesus was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied to the question, where can we get food for bread for all these people? Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed these people. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Jesus said, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes of the hills where they were, and the men alone numbered about 5,000, just the men, 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and he gave thanks and distributed them to the people. And afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Brief synopsis, brief summary of this story. Middle of nowhere. Thousands of people. Jesus says, feed them. The disciples say, say we can't. But I found a kid with a sack lunch. Jesus says, that's enough. And it turns out to be more than enough because everyone ate everything they wanted. And there were 12 baskets full of leftovers. Now, personally, it doesn't say anything. But I would like to think, that the next assignment that Jesus gave the disciples were to follow that little guy home and take those leftovers to his mom and dad. Think about it. You send your kid out with a sack lunch, and he comes back with 12 baskets full of leftovers. So, again, before I launch uh, into the message this morning, um, I want to thank you for, for watching wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Uh, I know you could be doing other things right now, and I'm thankful uh, that you've chosen to uh, be a part of this uh, online worship experience. I am incredibly grateful. I can't say it enough. Thank you for, for watching. 
Well, I had a picture I was going to share with you, but now it, it, it's a meme, so I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, because this thought, uh, the thought that's in, in this uh, the, this picture was uh, something that really challenged me uh, a few uh, days ago, several days ago. Um, it says, nothing should go back to normal. Normal wasn't working. If you go, if we go back to the way things were, we will have lost the lesson. May we rise up and do better. Now, I'm not sure, to be quite honest, I'm not sure what part of the old normal inspired the creator of this, uh, this picture, this meme, uh, but I do know what it stirred up in me. It's very possible that whoever did that uh, said, let's not go back, let's rise up and, and do better. Uh, they may have had something completely different in mind, but this is what came to me, and this is what was stirred up in me. Um, I am passionate about seeing people grow and change. I, I, I'm passionate about seeing people improve. Uh, in, in every area of their lives, but particularly in the spiritual aspects and in, in their relationship with God. Uh, I am passionate about that. I believe God wired me that way. Uh, he, and then he called me to serve as a pastor to help people meet the need of more harvest workers, of more people to help bring more people into God's family and his kingdom. Uh, over 40 years ago, the Holy Spirit imprinted uh, the, these verses from Matthew chapter 9 uh, on my spirit. Uh, if you want to know what makes me tick, pay attention, because this is what makes me tick right here. Uh, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, tells us Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and, and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's what makes me tick. There's a huge need that God wants to meet, and it takes people to do it. And I believe he has called me and wired me and given me a passion and, and gifts and abilities to use to raise people up who will be harvest workers. I'd love to talk to you more about that, but that's just part of the message in the introduction. So allow me to share some of the things. When I read that meme, uh, let's not go back to normal. Normal wasn't working. Let's rise up and do better. Uh, let's let's not lose the lesson. When I read that, I want you to know some of the things that I thought about. Uh, some of the things I believe that the church's normal uh, wasn't working. Now I'm going to start by talking about the big C church, the universal church, uh, and particularly the universal church, the big church, all Christians in North America, as 
compared to the rest of the world. Uh, you see, the church, this is one of the things where I think the normal wasn't working. Uh, the church is growing at best sluggishly in Europe and North America. Those two continents are the slow the places where the church is growing the slowest in the entire world. The church is growing dramatically in the rest of the world, but not in North America and Europe. Let me give you some examples. Uh, I don't often do statistics, but here are a few that that I think it'll help us understand why I think that normal wasn't working. In 1900, so at the beginning of the 20th century, there were fewer than 9 million Christians in Africa. On the continent of Africa, there were fewer than 9 million Christians in 1900, and now there are more than 541 million. In the last 15 years alone, the church in Africa has seen a 51% increase. Now, you may be thinking, well, I think those numbers are exaggerated. There's no way that could possibly be true. All right, let me just tell you that if it was only a 10% growth, they'd still be going, growing faster in Africa than our churches are in North America and Europe. But that's not it. In 1900, again, beginning of the 20th century, Korea had no Protestant church. There wasn't even one in the entire Korean area what we now call North and South Korea. There was not one Protestant church. Today, there are over 7,000 Protestant churches in the city of Seoul, South Korea. One city alone now has 7,000 churches, and some of those churches are largest churches in the world, some of the largest churches in the world in terms of numbers of members. In India, 14 million of the 140 million members of the untouchable caste have become Christians in recent years. Uh, more people in the Islamic world have come to Jesus in the last 25 years than in the entire history of Christian missions and outreach to the Islamic Muslim world. Is in Islamic Indonesia, the percentage of Christians is now so high, uh, estimated to be around 15%, that the Muslim government won't even publish figures anymore. They won't talk about how many Christians there are in Indonesia because they're a Muslim nation and there can't be Christians here, right? That's their thinking. Governments are like that. In China, it, it is estimated now that there are more self-declared confessing disciples of Jesus than there are members of the Communist Party. Even the most conservative estimates suggest that China will soon have more Christians than any other country in the world. 
there may come a day when there are more Chinese Christians than there are Christians anywhere else. They're huge, you know. Their population is great, is large. They're, they're growing, even though Christianity is illegal. Across the planet, followers of Jesus are increasing. The number of followers, Jesus followers across the planet is increasing by more than 80,000 per day. Five hundred and ten new churches form across the world every day. Outside of Europe and North America. Because that's not happening here. The church is normal was not working. The big C church is normal was not working. I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to the way it was. I want to grab hold of the lessons we can get from this season. And I want to seize them. I want to discover the answers to some questions that are nagging. Why there? And not here. Why them and not us? Why has our congregation been plateaued or declining since the 1970s? As I mentioned earlier, that we have a mission to carry uh, carry out with Jesus. Uh, there are over fifty thousand people in Bay County not claimed by any church. They're not claimed by any church, and they don't claim any church. Over fifty thousand. If we include Saginaw and Midland counties, part of our Great Lakes region, the the uh, Tri-Cities area, if we include all three counties, we are surrounded by over 200,000 unclaimed people. We ought to hear, I think, we ought to hear the Jesus say, the harvest is huge. We need harvest workers to bring in the harvest. But the fact that when we hear numbers like that, that we are paralyzed, shows how much we really need to answer these questions. Why, why there? Why China? Why Africa? Why Korea? Why India? Why Indonesia? Why the seemingly impossible places in the world? Why there and not here? Why them and not us? Reading the record of Jesus' first uh, century followers won't relieve us any. Um, you can find their record in the book of Acts. Let me quickly give you a quick summary. Uh, chapter 1, there are 120 disciples gathered together in a, a room to pray. Chapter 2, after the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 believers were added to their number and Every day after that, more were being added. Chapter 4, the number of men who were believers climbed to 5,000. Chapter 5, 
more and more were added, even in the face of persecution. Chapter 6, when the church started having a problem with their organization and they reworked things, it tells us the number of the, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Even a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. That's in Acts chapter 6, verse 7. In Acts chapter 8 and 9, deadly persecution breaks out. And the Jesus followers uh, in Jerusalem simply spread out to the surrounding areas and kept adding new people. And by the way, that's just the first nine chapters. There's, uh, there's about, not quite, but there's almost 20 more chapters of the church growing and spreading across the Mediterranean area. The first century church grew rapidly. And the 21st century church, uh, outside of North America, in Europe, the, the 21st century grows rapidly, but not here, not now. What propelled the first century church to effectively introduce people to Jesus, even in the face of persecution? What propels the church to grow in places like China and Indonesia and the Middle East and India, where there's still persecution? We should be wondering, why then, and not now, why, why over there and not right here? Why them and not us? The Apostle Paul, uh, before he was an apostle, he was uh, a zealot persecuting the church, the, the deadly persecution uh, that started uh, mentioned back in uh, started in chapter uh, seven and eight as we were talking about that persecution was led by Saul, who later became Paul, because he see Paul experienced a life transforming uh, encounter with Jesus, and he became a pioneer missionary, going anywhere and everywhere the people never heard about Jesus to tell them about Jesus. He also wrote most of the letters that are collected in what we call the New Testament, the, that second big section of, of our Bibles. And in his letter to the Christians in Rome, Paul answered one of our questions. He wrote about how he effectively introduced people to Jesus. So let's imagine that we could sit down with Paul and simply ask this question. Paul, what fueled your missionary efforts to bring people into God's kingdom family in the face of suffering and persecution and all of the opposition you face? So this is what he says in Romans chapter 15, starting at verse 14. I'm going to read verses 14 to 19. Again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Romans 15, starting at verse 14. 
I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well, you can teach each other all about them. Even so, I have been bold, been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that you all need, that all you need is a reminder. Now here comes his answer. By God's grace, I am an apostle, a special messenger from Jesus Christ to you Gentiles. I bring the good news so that I may, might present you as an acceptable offering to God, made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all that Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Lycrium. So here we are. Why then? And not now. Why, why them and why not us? Why, why? I think what Paul says to us is that the Holy Spirit's powerful presence produced signs and wonders, and combined with his preaching about who Jesus is, it transformed people wherever he went. The number of Jesus followers grows significantly. If we're going to boil it all down, I believe Paul would say to us, why was I so effective? The number of Jesus followers grows significantly only when the Holy Spirit works powerfully. Um, Dr. Stephen Elliott, an author and uh, professor at uh, Kingswood University, in uh, Canada says uh, in his book, one of his books, I wonder how many North American congregations could be rightfully accused of being earnest, sincere, committed, but ministering out of their own energy and creativity rather than through the person and power uh, of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, until God shows up in presence and power, we will remain like the little boy who had his little lunch of fish and bread. What we bring to the table is not nearly enough to feed or win over the crowds. But once the powerful presence of God shows up, the fish and bread are multiplied in their effectiveness far beyond anything we could have formerly imagined or could have accomplished on our own. There, there is no power in a lunch that was never packed. But when the Holy Spirit's powerful presence shows up, amazing things happen. There's no power in a lunch uh, that is never handed over to Jesus. But when we hand ourselves over to Jesus and the Holy Spirit's powerful presence shows up, life-altering things happen. 
there, there's no power in a lunch shared without prayer. Because prayer opens the door for the Holy Spirit's powerful presence to show up and wonderful things happen when he does. So if you're looking for the sermon in a sentence for today, here it is. We are powerless promises until the Holy Spirit works in and through us. We, as a congregation, we as followers of Jesus in North America, we, we are powerless promises until the Holy Spirit works in and through us. We are at best a sack lunch trying to meet the needs of 5,000 men plus women and children. Not going to happen. Dr. Elliot, again, uh, shared something that, that I've long, long believed and thought. He says, I believe the number one reason people go to church is not out of a need or desire to connect with other people, but out of a deep-seated longing to experience and encounter the creator of the universe, to meet God. And when people leave church meetings week after week feeling that they have not encountered God, they eventually grow disillusioned disappointed and confused. I would add, and they don't stay. Their lives aren't changed. They show up and a bunch of little sack lunches are running around who can't meet the needs that they have. And they go look at somewhere else. See, the church is normal was not working. That's the big C church in North America and the little C church in our congregation. So I believe Jesus is saying to, to us as a congregation, you should not go back to the way it was. You need to grab hold of the lessons of this season that there's more to being one of my followers and sharing my love and infusing people with hope, there's more to it than what you can do on a Sunday morning in a church building. I think you might say something like this. So what, what so many churches have been offering as normal Christianity is neither attractive to the unsaved or particularly engaging or satisfying to those who already are. It's not attractive to those who don't know Jesus, and it's not particularly satisfying to those who do. Normal Christianity. I think Jesus would say, you are powerless promises until the Holy Spirit works in and through you. It's not a matter of being committed. It's not a matter of of, of any of the things we have tended to make it. You are helpless, Jesus would say to us. You are helpless without my Holy Spirit in you. To act or to think otherwise shows foolishness 
at best, pride at the worst. Uh, you need to recognize that you are fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. You cannot accomplish what I have called you. Jesus would say, I, you cannot accomplish what I've called you to accomplish without the Holy Spirit. So how do we, how do we answer the questions? Why then and not now? Why there and not here? Why them and not us? Well, we answer the question by acknowledging the fact that we have not depended on the Holy Spirit. We've depended on programs. We've depended on our experience. We've depended on things that, that you know, it worked before. I remember when. Uh, what did we do last week? One of my favorite cartoons, and it makes me laugh. I read this years and years ago. I still remember it. Uh, a guy is, uh, is, it's a group of people working together. They, they, they are starting a church, and they uh, have had their first Sunday morning worship gathering. And they're talking about what they're going to do for the second week in the planning the worship gathering for that week. And the caption is, we can't do that. We didn't do it that way last week. How easily we fall into the pattern of thinking that it needs to be what we've done before. Always needs to be what we've done before. It, the Holy Spirit is always trying to do new things. The Holy Spirit is creative. Jesus said in John chapter 3, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. It blows where it wants to go. He goes where he wants to go. He does what he wants to do. And it's not always the same thing. It's often something new and different. So what did Jesus' earliest followers do? Um, how did they connect with and follow and flow with the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing they did is they prayed. They prayed. I was going to say they prayed as if everything depended on God, but here's the here's the bottom line. They prayed because everything depends on the Holy Spirit. So we need to pray. We need to admit our need for the Holy Spirit to work in us. Lives are not changed by what we can provide. Lives are changed by what only the Holy Spirit can do. The early church, Jesus' first followers, and people all around the world where the church is growing, they pray because they know it doesn't matter what we've done before. It doesn't matter what the programs are. It doesn't matter what they're doing down the street at that other church. Uh, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that the Holy Spirit has to work in us and through us, and we must pray for that to happen. The second thing that the early church did and that people around the world are doing where the church is growing and moving and transforming lives, the second thing they did is they sacrificed. They sacrificed something to pray even more. Um, in the Bible, it's called fasting. Um, 
it, it often is sacrificing a meal or more, uh, but it can be anything. Uh, we could fast from uh, television. We could fast from reading a, a book. We could fast from uh, any number of things that we enjoy that take up our time. We could stop it instead of doing uh, praying, uh, instead of eating for for 15 minutes or whatever it takes us to prepare and snarfle the food down. Uh, take that time and say, I would rather pray than ask God's Holy Spirit to work in me and through me and in my congregation, in my church, I'd rather see him working in and through us than to eat or to watch TV. I want you to listen to, to an, uh, it's a prayer recorded in Acts chapter 4. Uh, this is the first time, following the first time they had actually uh, been jailed. The apostles had been jailed for, for preaching. A couple of them had been pre uh, jailed for preaching, uh, uh, talking about Jesus. And they were told, don't ever talk about this guy again. And this is what they prayed. Acts chapter 4, verses 29 to 31. Again, the New Living Translation is uh, as, as they're praying, Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness. Let that settle in. Listen to their threats, Lord. And they don't say protect us, keep us safe. Don't let them do what they said they're going to do to us. No. They said they told us to shut up, or not talk about Jesus, or worse things were going to happen to us. So give us boldness in preaching your word. Give us great boldness. Stretch out your hand. But they see, that's not the end. It's not just the boldness in preaching. They said, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And verse 31 says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. And exactly what they asked for happened. There were miracles and signs. There were... Uh, acts of immense, amazing generosity to meet the needs of people. This prayer for loving boldness in the Spirit's powerful presence is echoed er every time and in every place where the church grows dramatically. Dr. Joanne Lyon, uh, General Superintendent Emerita, of our, our denomination, the Wesleyan Church, also now called the ambassador of the Wesleyan Church. Uh, in a visit to China, she heard a Chinese pastor pray this short, simple, but powerful prayer. Father, embarrass Satan in the heavenly realms by what you do through your church today.
uh, if that could be our prayer in North America, if that could be our prayer in Bay County, Saginaw, Midland counties, Lord, embarrass Satan by what you do through the church. What we do is not embarrassing to Satan. It should be embarrassing to us, but what we can accomplish isn't embarrassing to him. Only God can do this. Only God can, can overwhelm the forces of darkness and evil in this world. The number of Jesus followers grows significantly only when the Holy Spirit works powerfully. If we pray for boldness, and the Holy Spirit's powerful presence, I believe we can experience the growth others see around the world. I can believe we will be come and release harvest workers into this harvest field around us with 200,000 people need Jesus. And we really dare not settle for anything less than loving boldness and the Holy Spirit's powerful presence Thousands of our neighbors, family members, friends, they will not be convinced to believe in Jesus until they see and experience something that goes beyond our mere words and kind acts. As important as those are, they need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to give him our lunch and stand back and watch him work. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, forgive us for thinking or at least acting as if we can do the things that only you can do. Forgive us for assuming that programs and, and uh, our past experiences and our past actions uh, will accomplish what only you can do. That will change people's lives. It will change us. But forgive us for not allowing you to, to deeply love us and deeply love others through us. Holy Spirit, I ask you to change all of that now for the sake of your great name. Fill us with Jesus' love. Gently but powerfully remove every obstacle that stands in the way of us being moved and shaped by his love. Give us the courage to talk about Jesus. Give us great boldness. You are the only one who can pack our simple words and our simple actions with transforming power. Holy Spirit, we need you to deliver deep conviction and confident faith in Jesus. Only you, only you can help the people around us 
who don't know Jesus to welcome our stories about him, our experiences with him. You're the only one that can help them to welcome our testimonies about Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would show your healing power. We don't know exactly how that all works. And so sometimes we just simply explain it away and don't expect and don't ask, but we're praying that miraculous signs and wonders will be done through the name of your son, Jesus. We have no competing agendas. We have no, uh, no we, we, will, we lay down resistance to your will. Do in us and through us whatever it takes to convince skeptics and doubters and unclean people to believe in Jesus, to trust him and to follow him with all their hearts and with all their lives. Father, do whatever it takes in and through us to embarrass the forces of evil in this place. Through your church, not just our congregation, but every congregation that's following Jesus with all their hearts, every congregation that's seeking to give your life to the, this community, do whatever you want to do in us and through us. to shut down the forces of darkness, the dominion of darkness in this in this area, and to release the blessings of your kingdom family in the lives of more and more people. Amen. Um, well, thank you for watching. And uh, again, uh, don't forget to look. Uh, there's a meet and greet uh, link in the Champions of Hope uh, group. Um, we're going to start shortly uh, after ending here. Um, now, it is that's a link to go actually into a, a Zoom meeting. So it won't be on Facebook uh, other than the link. Uh, and so everything should work. So, I mean, the technology is uh, all firing on all cylinders as it we want it to be. So, on the uh, first Resurrection Sunday, the evening of that first day of the week, John tells us when the disciples were together, the doors were all locked because of fear for the Jewish leaders. Jesus who had raised, been raised from the dead that morning, Jesus came and stood among them, even though the doors were locked. I love this story. Jesus came and said to them, Peace be with you. And after this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed because they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Sisters, 
brothers, you are sent as Jesus was sent. Receive the Holy Spirit and go love somebody in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope to see you in the meet and greet room in just a few minutes.